0: You're listening to the plain label podcast Beer Breaks. Hello, and welcome to our final episode. On David Fincher on Beer Breaks, I'm your host Eric Williams, and just to recap in case you missed our first two episodes, what we're doing here is we're taking a director, a screenwriter, an actor, a movie theme, or a genre, and we're having a series of discussions. Joining me for this filmmaker, Mr. David Fincher, is good friend and movie lover, Mr. Sean Stangland. Hello again, everyone. <laughs> so once again, in case you didn't hear me say it twice already, uh We are taking a look at David Fincher, and we are looking at his treatment of serial killers. So the previous two weeks we talked about Seven, and last week we talked about Zodiac, and this week we are talking about his remake in 2013 of the Swedish film The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Uh, so I guess before getting into that, we should mention that this podcast is brought to you by the Deliberate Noise Network. Head over to DeliberateNoise.com and check out some of the other shows that are over there. And we should talk a bit about some alcohol. So, Mr. Stangland, (laughs) on Friday evening, what are you having to drink for me?
1: I am drinking a beer from Two Brothers Brewery in Warrenville, Illinois called Pinball, Mm. which I would like just for its name alone, but it also happens to be a rather juicy hopped uh, pale ale, and it's pretty good. I can tell if I don't have like a giant glass of water before bed, though, I'm gonna feel like absolute shit in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a warning for all you kids out there.
0: <laughs> all you over twenty-one kids, I'm sure. You remember what it's like to be under twenty-one, don't you, Sean?
1: Uh that was a lot of years ago. I've been looking <laughs> at old pictures a lot this week, and I can't. Even fifteen years ago, it looks like it's ancient times.
0: I know, especially when you start looking at the attire.
1: yes yeah oh look at all those hawaiian shirts i used to wear oh
0: (laughs) (laughs) i was thinking about that the other day i was thinking about how i remember when i was in high school like silk shirts were a cool thing and now (laughs) not that i ever wore them then but i would (laughs) you know i couldn't imagine myself even contemplating such a thing
1: yeah, the number of pairs of jorts that I have on in <laughs> old pictures of me is disturbing.
0: Uh, I am having, for our beverage this evening, I'm keeping it simple yet again. I think this is what I've had uh, at least one time before, but I'm having some Svedka Vodka and some Lime LaCroix. Oh, wow. That's, that's kind of the real sort of simple standby over at the Williams household. I think vodka
1: is the only way to make Lacroix drinkable.
0: Well, I mean, <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not my favorite, but when you put vodka with it, it's not—it's not too bad. Yeah. And and the the lime one especially pairs well if you actually put either a lemon or a lime in the drink. Mm-hmm. It's not too bad. It's not too bad.
1: But you haven't had like mousse or anything yet. Oh no 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 <laughs>
0: nothing like that no. So, before, no, before we get into our discussion of this last film of Finchers and his last sort of, you know, take on this subject matter, what has, what's kind of been your overall impression of him? Like, we can get in into which one's the most successful and what we take out of each one and all that later, but has there any, has there been anything that you sort of noticed or, uh, noticed that he doesn't do anymore or like, what have you noticed going into this, or after this latest film of his and the genre? Like, do you feel like he's sort of just as interested as he always has been in the subject matter, or do you feel like he's becoming less interested in it, or, or sort of, what do you think about it?
1: Well, this film in particular, I, it seems the most dispersonal, is that a word? The most dispersonal film of his. I feel like his heart's not really in this movie. And I didn't used to feel that way, and it certainly has Fincherisms in it as far as visual visuals and um just sort of the overall tone, but it's very dispassionate to me this movie, and very um it just it's too similar to the original
2: mm uh-huh yes it
1: it seems like he didn't he didn't put enough of a stamp on it it's It's far too similar to the two thousand and nine one by uh Niels Arden oplev, i think is his name. <laughs> uh, and like to the point where if you showed, if you showed the same scene for both of them, some people might have trouble even telling which is which. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, it's, they're very similar.
0: They are very similar. I would say that I felt like the more, hmm, I okay, here's, here's sort of what I felt in general about Fincher, and then we'll uh, preview the film and and get into the film specifically. But Mm -hmm. I felt like when we did Seven, he was separating himself from the bone collector directors of the world, Mm -hmm. right? And then we did Zodiac, and it was, look how I can sort of uh, play around with the format of a serial killer based movie because we talked a lot about how it was more of a journalism movie and kind of more of a procedural than it really is a serial killer film right mm-hmm. and then here i feel like he kind of stumbles back onto the oh uh, let's just do a hollywood slasher very obviously who it is kind of a movie
1: yeah it's this movie is is pretty trashy
0: yeah and and I
1: didn't really think of it like that before, and I think some people would have argued that Seven was trashy when it came out, but Seven has a lot of artistry to it, and I think ultimately does have a thing or two to say, where this movie is just kind of lurid trash. Mm.
0: <laughs> lurid trash, okay, I like that. Well, with that, let's, uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and, and preview the 2013 film that we are uh, sort of already talked about. It's The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. db plot synopsis goes like this after being successfully sued for libel by a wealthy industrialist investigative journalist Mikkel blumquist leaves his magazine millennium and accepts an offer from henrik wonger to write the wonger family history an old industrial family they have their share of skeletons in the closet what henrik is most interested in learning however is what happened to his niece harriet who he is Certain was murdered by a member of his family in the late summer of 1966. Mikhail takes on this task and moves into a small cottage on the estate. He begins to decipher some of the clues Harriet has left behind and decides to get an assistant computer hacker, Elizabeth Salander, the woman who did the very thorough background check on him for Vonger. Together, they learn some of the Vonger's deep, violent secrets. And what I liked about that, plot synopsis, even though they use the last name way too many times, which is awkward <laughs> for me to pronounce, is I like how the plot synopsis goes through most of the movie, and then at the very end, they put Lisbeth in there, because mm-hmm. the movie is very concerned with Daniel Craig, and with Mikel, and not mm. really that concerned with the girl who is named after the movie. Or the movie's yes, named after I... her. <laughs> right? <laughs>
1: I was going to say that that description you read pretty much says it all about the the narrative fault with this movie called The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo.
0: <laughs> yeah, because she could be anyone. She happens to have a a dragon tattoo and yes, we do get the the horrific rape scene uh by her overweight uh landlord/ slash, uh you know caretaker kind of um and we get the revenge sequence and that's all well and good, right? But mm-hmm. Other than that sequence, like, she is kind of a non-entity.
1: Yes. They don't even, they jettison what little there was of her backstory in the Swedish original. I think you see kind of little snatches of the flashback to her burning her father alive. I yes. believe that's the backstory of Lisbeth Salander.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, okay, and so I think it's it's pretty much impossible for us to have a discussion about this film and not talk about the original, right?
1: Right, which I haven't seen since, you know, it first came out of video, but like I say, I I definitely remember it being very similar to this, but I re- but the big difference being that I felt like Lisbeth was actually the main character in that one. Yeah. Whereas this she's not. <laughs> yeah, she
0: was she's the main character. She is um she's alternative looking, I guess I'll say it that way. Right? Mm-hmm. It's Numi Rapace in the original, and she has the crazy hair and has the piercings and looks different. And here, it's, I mean, and I think it's a, it's a tough role to put to play because it is four years after the original, so there's not a lot of space, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't it four years? Or it, I think that's close. Maybe two years. Anyway. I think
1: actually this might be a 2011 movie. It is. It's a like oh, it's like two years.
0: Yeah, that's my bad. It is a 2011. So. Uh, I think that part of what Rooney Mara's difficulty is, is she looks like what Hollywood thinks is an alternative person. <laughs> yes. Like there's times where she's just wearing black and has her hair in a ponytail. And just looks like anybody. And then there's times where they try to make her look all crazy. And then there's times where she's walking around in her underwear and she's supposed to be kind of like a... You know, too cool for school or whatever. Uh, That's not the impression that I got when I watched the original. I watched the original and was like, oh, okay, this is a different character. This is a, I don't give a shit about you or anybody. And she had her own personality. She was very troubled and had all of her issues. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that it's necessarily Rooney Mara's fault, in quotes. I just don't know that they were really that bothered by giving her much to do.
1: Well, I've, I seem to remember Numi Rapace in the original kind of giving off this air that maybe Elizabeth had, like, Asperger's or was slightly autistic or something.
0: Yes, and and that's sort of... But in this movie, like,
1: <laughs> in this one, it's just, she's, uh, I mean, she's a, she's very much a movie character in this mm-hmm. one just mm-hmm. like the way she carries herself and the dialogue that she's given particularly in the revenge scene is so it's just so over the top Yeah. And nothing about it seems real
0: <laughs> yeah there's no feet on the ground in in this version and that and mm-hmm. that portrayal because you're right because Numi Rapace seemed and I think that that's kind of what I was was reaching for was she just seemed like it just seemed like it was her you know, it just yes. seemed like it this was a real person and she's just odd. And I don't know if it was because of the language barrier and the, the subtitles is what mm-hmm. sort of added that in there to me or maybe it was because I don't know who the guy that played Mikkel was. Mm-hmm. And obviously here it's Daniel Craig. <laughs>
1: yeah, here it's James Bond. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like,
0: oh, you know, why is James Bond running around half scared of all these old dudes (laughs) you know and that kind of thing um so let's i mean we can we can kind of go back to that but i i do think it is unfortunately very similar looking in that it is a part of the world that is pretty monotone looking Mm -hmm. in this in this season right because this was the big 2011 uh christmas release and it was um, we had that, uh, we have the Trent Reznor song, right? That was part mm-hmm. of the, that was part of the trailer and it was like the feel bad movie of the Christmas. Or yeah. Whatever the that hell. was a great trailer. It was a great trailer. <laughs> and that was like, it was a big deal that it was, it was a, an American remake of this. And when I first heard about it, I was like, oh jeez because you know, I was, The snobby dude that has already seen the three movies, you know, on (laughs) Netflix of all things. Mm -hmm. I love it when I look back at myself from maybe, you know, maybe five years ago and I'm like, I was so snobby that how dare Hollywood remake a movie that I saw streaming on Netflix? It's not (laughs) like I went to the art house theater and saw this one night only showing of this independent movie. It's you know streaming on the most available platform there is, and I just happened upon it, and it's like oh well I'm too cool for you to <laughs> to remake this. What a douche. Anyway, um...
1: <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I was thinking. You douche.
0: <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about the credit sequence, though. We talked briefly about that song that was in the trailer, right?
1: Yeah, so it's it's like this Trent Reznor-ified version of Led Zeppelin's Immigrant Song performed by Karen O. from Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. And Mm -hmm. it's very incongruous with the entire film. And the title sequence is incongruous with the entire film. And when I first saw this, I was like, yes, an awesome David Fincher title sequence again. But I'm watching this again today, and it opens with, like, maybe a 20-second scene of Christopher Plummer, who's Vonger, talking to Maester Lewin from Game of Thrones, who yeah. is a detective here, mm-hmm. and about vaguely about these uh, flowers that he gets in the middle. We don't even find out what that is until later. Uh-huh. So it's, but, but then we jump right into the t- to this title sequence, which is it almost feels like they ha- they felt they had to put that in there to tell the audience, oh no, we swear this is going to be a cool movie with a punk rock chick in it, <laughs> but but we have too many boring winter scenes to get through before we get to her.
0: Okay. So here's the, here's the thing. I think this is so like, this is such a misstep, this beginning. So I think the actual credit sequence I like, and and we can talk about why in just a second, but Mm -hmm. I think that it is such a blah opening Mm -hmm. because yes, if you're going to have a different tone, For your credits, and and I rarely talk about credits this much, but it is such a sleepy opening scene Mm -hmm. with Christopher Plummer with something with the flowers that you know we get to later but by the time we get to the flowers i'm like well it's the only other dude i recognize besides christopher Plummer. of course it's <laughs> going to be stars guard
1: <laughs> right yes it's like gary sinise and ransom it's like yeah. of course it's fucking gary sinise
0: <laughs> i don't know any of these other actors of course it's this guy <laughs> you know that's what i that's what i thought as soon as he comes on the screen i was like oh so there's the killer because why the fuck else would he be in the movie right and and so that comes on it's very sleepy but can you not could you not just have a sequence with the girl with the dragon tattoos doing something badass at the beginning
1: or just doing anything yeah
0: and then like making a stamp on who her character is and then going into that sequence
1: like I, a good way to open this movie, if you wanted to have your your David Fincher kind of dazzling credit sequence, would be like something where there's like a a camera in her face following her as she's on her bike or something, and she comes home and takes off her shirt and then you see the dragon tattoo or something. Yeah, like some kind of super stylized POV thing, something like that. But I mean this CGI mishmash of things it's cool it would be a good music video uh-huh. but i don't really know what it's doing in this movie okay
0: here's what it's doing here's i here's what i think it's it's saying okay here's this is like i need like a little sound effect where i where it's like the eric williams reaching for something moment <laughs> yeah, um i watched it this time and You know, I've seen the trailer several times. I've seen the this is like the fourth or fifth time I've seen this movie, and I keep, I basically, I keep wanting it to be better than I think it is. Is kind of how I feel.
1: And I think I thought it was better than it is the other Mm. times I've seen it, but today I was watching like, well, maybe
0: it's because (laughs) it it is the middle of a sunny day. Well, that could have been it. (laughs) Uh, So I I feel like what we have is we have these two different bodies, and one of them seems fairly masculine, and one of them seems feminine Mm -hmm. in this CGI opening. And I felt like as the credit sequence continues on, it's about the male attempting to destroy the female. Yes, And I get that, and I think that it's... It is a cool visual, but it does have that kind of weightless CGI feeling to it, Mm -hmm. to where there's like, you could see these bodies aren't real bodies, they're just, you know, bouncing around on a computer screen somewhere, and I don't know, I think that it looked neat, and I think that the song's cool, but I just don't think it fits with the movie whatsoever.
1: No, not in any way.
0: And it would have been cool, like, I mean, give me something as... 101 as like she's she's riding in the you know she kicks some dude's ass takes his money because he owes (laughs) her and then she's driving away and this is the song she has in her headphones or something yeah I mean something as typical as that I'll take Mm
1: -hmm. as
0: opposed to two guys in their 70s talking about flowers and then it cuts to this
1: I don't get why that's even the opening scene of the movie
0: I don't know and I don't
1: I can't even imagine what it, people who didn't know anything about this story seeing this movie for the first time in the theater must be like, what the hell is this? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. How is this the feel bad movie of the winter?
1: Like, who cares about this dude losing his libel case?
0: <laughs> oh man, I just eat up movies about libel. You don't, you don't, uh, that's not a big blockbuster topic. I mean, it should be for me in the newspaper industry fuck. I mean,
1: I totally, you know, I was watching this today and I'm, I, when we get to, um, the scene in the basement, I'm looking at the counter on the Blu ray player, it says 150. I'm like, 150? How are there 45 minutes left of this? Yeah. And it's because they spent 20 more fucking minutes on the libel at the end. I'm like, I forgot all about that. Like, who? <laughs>
0: yeah, we get to the point where you know the whole murder mystery is solved, and then we're like, "Why are you, why are you still going? What? Yeah, what are you and still on like, for?
1: <laughs> it's not like it's there to set up a next movie because it doesn't feel like that at all. When uh, this movie no. uh, ends, it doesn't yeah. feel like there's another movie coming. No. which you know." I feel like maybe Fincher always knew there wasn't going to be another movie, but the studio was hoping there would be another movie.
0: Yeah, and to be fair, even the original later two movies aren't nearly as good.
1: I never got through the third one. It was so boring.
0: Yeah, the the second two are more like really ramping up on the sort of revenge and Lisbeth stuff. I don't know. I wasn't nearly as interested. The second one isn't as bad. The second one just feels like kind of an action film. And the third yeah. one's completely forgettable.
1: Yeah, I should try to watch it. They have like, they have it as it originally aired as a TV series on Netflix. I should try to watch it that way and break it up into six parts.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's good. I, I, I think that as much as I'm kind of harping on this film, I think that the, the story is, is interesting enough. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. You know? So, alright, well let's talk about the next bit that I have written down here is I want to talk about some products in the film.
1: (laughs) I noticed this, too.
0: (laughs) And I'm sitting here, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, has this always been a David Fincher thing? And then I see, you know, she's drinking Coke. he's, Mm -hmm. And this is the thing that baffled me. This fucking guy, head of this magazine... Is trying to investigate someone and he goes straight to Google. And I was like, what? (laughs) And she's this big time hacker and she goes to Google. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like what is the, like how is this your best course of action? Like, you know, I would take grad school classes and they would, they would specifically say, don't you dare go to some (laughs) Google site and try to find real, you know, Vetted information about someone. Like, if you're going to go there and look up some pop star or something, fine, but, you know, don't go and try to find actual information from well, someone. Well, yeah, like she that. does,
1: she goes to Wikipedia to look up Vennerstrom. <laughs> uh, that's the part I'm like,
0: uh, I mean, I that's do right, like,
1: yeah. and the original movie did this too, I do like that whenever somebody's using a computer, it's a real computer with real applications
2: oh, yeah, that are from true, the yeah. real
1: world. It's not like, you know, a magic computer that most movies have. Like, you can actually see the app, li- you know, the little app icons at the bottom, and they're using real shit. So I like that
2: mm-hmm.
1: because it, it lends it an air of, you know, of relatability. But, but yeah, like, Elizabeth has a can of coke, and it's like the one red thing in the entire movie, yeah, and, it and then later completely she's sticks a, out yeah. yes, and later she's eating a happy meal, <laughs> oh, yes.
0: And I'm like, oh, she is so she is so punk. Look at her yeah. drinking this coke and eating this fucking McDonald's.
1: I want to believe that those things are in the movie. Because Fincher is just flipping everybody off.
0: It, I, like, fine, you be. want you
1: want the piece of shit American version of this. Here it is. And I, not that I think this movie's a piece of shit, but it, you know, yeah,
0: I can't
1: I can't imagine that this was Fincher's favorite movie to make.
0: I mean, I would sure as shit hope not. Yeah, <laughs> you know,
1: I've watched all the documentary stuff on the Blu-ray, and it's all fascinating, and he's a fascinating guy to listen to and to watch. But I still can't I can't imagine that. This is going to be fondly remembered by him This experience
0: <laughs> Well no I mean he's he's certainly Taken his time after this Yes To do much you know So I don't know um, I also I like how the, the Laptop close is like the new Phone hang up <laughs> You know you got to show your frustration Somehow in a film so you Don't mm-hmm. you don't have a phone to s- slang Against the receiver so you just Slam your uh, laptop Close I like that <laughs> <laughs> uh, here, my next note was when I got into the casting where I said, okay, so we have Plumber and Starsguard, so it's one of them, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, I liked how Mr. James Bond is, uh, you know, I, I do like how he couldn't figure out the mystery, and I do think that that's well done in both versions.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that it's nice that there's a long way to go before we finally end up figuring things out. Right? And mm-hmm. it's not like he shows up in in like uh Robert Langdon or whatever Tom Hanks' is <laughs> character and he's just like, oh, I got I got it. You're like, wait a minute. That's this has taken years and no one's figured it out. Yeah.
1: Just follow the fifth seal down the Swedish road to the I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes.
0: <Yeah. laughs> and so I like that it took him uh a, a while and you know tracked people down and and it was like okay a regular person with a regular life wouldn't be able to do this mm-hmm. you know they they just don't have the sort of patience and they're not getting paid to do this so they you know it does take someone to dedicate their their life for a few months to figure things out yeah and i did like that i do think that it is uh i don't <laughs> curious, I guess, they show him highlighting, and this is, like, small things (laughs) that... This is such a small thing, but just bugs the shit out of me. They show him highlighting, and he's highlighting the entire fucking document. Yeah. It's (laughs) It's just so you...
1: Yeah. Or, like... (laughs) the part where, like, Lisbeth just types a bunch of question marks on the screen. <laughs> I'm just like, that's such a bullshit thing for the audience. That's got other pictures like, oh, just do this bullshit. having a laugh about it.
0: He's like, just fucking hold the button down. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Either that or he didn't get her doing it. And it's like, no, you, put your hand in there. Just fucking push <laughs> the button. <laughs> get an insert shot in there. Um... Some of the things that I do really like is I really liked when she was, uh, in the subway and had the attempted mugging, the attempted mugging. Yes. And we had that whole sort of escalator sequence. I thought that was really well done. I I do like that neither one of the people involved in that wanted to just, you know, stop. Because I I feel like, (laughs) you know, in a typical mugging scene, you have the guy that grabs the person, runs away, and then if, you know, they're stopped at all, they just run off. Mm -hmm. right and he's like no fuck you this is my bag (laughs) this is mine now and they have a little bit more of an altercation and i kind of liked that little bit of business you know that was something that i was like oh that's that's a little different than most movies you know
1: well it's it's one of those scenes that shows you what the movie could have been if it was actually about her
0: yeah absolutely (laughs) absolutely and then let's talk about uh, let's talk about the trashiness of it because the next sequence that I, <laughs> that I've written down is the whole, um, you know, the waxing of the hallway and the rape sequence and all that kind of stuff. Ugh, okay. Wow. So we have, uh, we, let's see. I think it was, we push in and we see the guy waxing the floor and I'm like, Oh shit. Okay. Here comes the scene. Right. Because I, I was prepared for it this time when I'm watching it mm-hmm. in the, original version i was like holy shit you know because i had no sense you know i knew things were not going well for her Mm -hmm. but i had no sense it was going to go that badly and i think what numi rapaz does so much better is she like during that sequence um and we get this and we get this a lot in when i'm teaching and when i'm teaching either Uh, like when we're performing monologues or when we are acting out a scene or something like that and the kids are in kind of a sterile environment and they can't quite get to the emotional point that the scene requires. Mm -hmm. That's what I felt like Rooney Mara was doing. Like even though she's screaming, even though she's having, you know, like riding around on the, on the bed. I think I, it was so imprinted in me this. Numi version where she's like like an injured animal sort of mm. reacting mm-hmm. and was like so heightened and so like it wasn't just a physical thing I felt like when I was watching the original and here it felt like oh this is her this is a terrible thing that's happening to her but I know I, I have the safety of knowing that she's going to get her revenge mm-hmm. and so I felt like it was just it was more of a physical thing yeah. In, instead of like a like soul crushing like, you know, her caregiver has had this bad thing happen to her, has this medical injury, and now this asshole is watching out for her in quotes, and now she has to do all this shit. So in the original, I was just completely crushed by her her situation, and here mm-hmm. I was like, it wasn't that I was nonplussed by it, but I was just kind of like, oh man, that was that was kind of rough to watch. You know what I mean? Well-
1: the, the two things about that scene, well, there's more than two things. The, the one thing that freak that is very strange, and I don't know if Fincher was, was trying to fake us out, like, 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 think, make us think we're gonna be off the hook, and then totally hit us with it, he starts pulling back away from the closed door. Like, oh, yeah. that's gonna be the, like, that's gonna be the end of the scene. Right. But then we go in, and it's like, horrifying. Mm-hmm. To the point where I'm like, I can't believe they asked Rudy Merritt to even do it. Right. And um, I was wondering when I watched it this time, if the screaming, the over-the-top screaming, is Lisbeth doing it on purpose to sell it for the camera?
0: Mm. That's a really good question. I think it's tough in this film, in this remake, to answer that because is it her putting it on or is it, Fincher putting it on
1: well yeah that's that's a good point
0: I, because what I, world I, are we living in right
1: well yeah I hadn't really thought of this before and I didn't even think of it during the scene but it's 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 the way the revenge scene plays out which is so I mean like I said before it just seems so Hollywood and unrealistic that, and yes,
0: that that, was then I was great. like well
1: wait was she putting on a show for the camera then like was she overselling it but i mean not that i'm saying that i'm not seeing, i'm not trying to downplay her being raped sure. but but i mean not in any way it's horrifying it's a horrifying sequence it, it i mean as american films go it's hard to think of a rape scene that's more horrifying than the ones in this movie mm-hmm. but um it did make me wonder and then i don't know how i feel about that either if that is the case if that's what they were going for yeah it's uh it kind of cheapens it, I guess, for me. If it, that's it, the case. it
0: does, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that I would like to think that she's putting it on. I would, I like that idea better. Hmm. That she's doing it for the camera, as opposed to Fincher kind of being like, "Well, this is the kind of movie we're making, so yeah." I guess you better, you know, really scream because we're kind of going for something shocking and. Hollywood crazy here in about twenty minutes when you get your revenge.
1: Yeah, and it's like, okay, I get I can see that scene working in a movie that was more concerned with the person it was happening to. Like I just feel like if you're gonna make a movie with that horrifying a rape scene where the whole and where the movie is ostensibly about how men control everything here, to the point where They underline it. They all but underline a subtitle on screen when Daniel Craig says, I want you to help me hunt a killer of women.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But it's like the movie's not even about the women. So I just feel like this whole movie, the way that, the way that it is constructed as far as uh, ideologically, I don't know. I feel like this should be all about Lisbeth and it should be more about her her backstory, and it should be more about what the Vonger women have gone through. Like we get one yeah. scene with the with the older sister mm-hmm. where she visits Bloomquist. It's like, well, we need to know more about her too.
0: So let me ask you this. Did Lisbeth, uh, outside of the actual event, was she particularly bothered by it according to the film?
1: No, it sure didn't seem like it, did it?
0: See, and that's bullshit. Because just,
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, she hops into bed with Bloomquist almost interest, almost immediately, and I don't even know why. I I, be, I was I was to get her to get day. the
0: actress to get the actress topless.
1: That sure I mean, that's sure. seems like the
0: reason. <laughs> that's what it seemed like. Yes. And I don't know, because I mean, I I know that sequences like that happen in the original, but I watch it and I'm like. It just has such a different feel because it feels like Lisbeth is damaged. She doesn't know who she is. She's Mm -hmm. turning to anyone for affection. She's trying to connect to anybody and doesn't know how because she's Mm -hmm. a little bit on the spectrum, like you were saying. Yeah. And, like, it's, it's this strange thing with these... Serial killer movies where, you know, I thought Grace Smith in the Zodiac film was on the spectrum, <laughs> right? And so yeah. this one, it's like, it's another sort of serial killer and autism sort of combination. It's like this weird thing that I'm uh, trying to make happen. <laughs> and, and so we have, we have that character who's really going through some shit and trying to figure out, you know, she's a bisexual woman. And what is her identity and what is it after she's been raped and who is she and what is she doing? And, you know, she's working for this guy that she kind of likes. Right. And she's just got all of this shit going on. And then we learn about her history and her father and her male issues and all this Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Right. We don't get any of that in the, in the, this version.
1: No. And there, another thing I noticed for the first time that there's a scene where Bloomquist goes to talk to Goran Viznik and mm-hmm. and he says she's had a rough life or whatever and they cut they immediately cut to lisbeth picking up the girl at the bar yes and it's like and it the way that it looks the way it's cut together it's like she's being bad it's like yeah. well no she's just hooking up with some girl for the night like good for her
0: <laughs> she's had a rough night and yeah. she's gay yeah is exactly. what it made it seem like and i was like what is the big deal about this you realize yeah, it's the, 2011 the... right
1: like, the more we talk about this, the more I have to wonder if this whole movie is just a, just a giant joke by David Fincher. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> and so, it's one of those where I get, it's well done, it's well shot, it's well lit, right? It's never
1: boring. It's I, not like, boring.
0: I... <laughs> as much as it could be with, you know, and that's the mm-hmm. thing where I hear about the source material, about the source material, the novel is kind of rough sledding because it is pretty dry. For stretches of it, because it is spending a long time talking about libel. Yeah, you know, it is talking about investigative journalism or
1: or typing
0: things into Google. Apparently. Yeah, you got to read all of those question marks, and you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, "Fuck!" I'm on three lines of these question marks. <laughs> but yeah, so it's um, you know that that is what I've heard about the Millennium trilogy is that it is a little slow at times, right? And it's one of those where I would love to get to it as soon as I get to the fifty other books I'm trying to read, right? But
1: it does make me wonder, like, how did this be? How did it become a phenomenon? You know, because the books were the books were huge.
0: The books I were just huge. Wonder, I
1: don't, I don't really get how it became a huge thing.
0: I don't but, know. You know, I mean, I don't know the timeline of it. I didn't look far enough into it to know. Yeah. Um, I didn't come to be aware of it. Until I saw Numi Rapaz. right? Yeah. Until I was so taken by the way that she played the film because she's, you know, she is different than the Hollywood norm looking just in general. Yes. She's got a little bit of a, you know, she, I don't know how to say it uh, politically correctly, but she looks like she's foreign, right? So she just well, does not look like she's from Hollywood. She's one saying? of
1: those where I believe my wife and I had a conversation once where I was like, is she attractive? And we're both like, I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's the, uh, it's I the classic, it's from the, the office episode where they were talking about <laughs> Hillary Swank <laughs> and they were debating on if she was attractive or not. <laughs> it's kind of like that. Uh, let's see. What about, okay, here's another note that I have. And this is actually the last note that I have. Even though the movie goes on for like 45 minutes after this, but I felt like this was two, it's, it's two completely different films, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's a while before the two films really kind of intersect, before these two stories and these two people really kind of come together, Mm -hmm. even though, you know, she's watching them. I do think that it, there's enough material there for it to be, two different storylines and it just does not feel like it mixes that well to me.
1: No, no, it's, it's like it, when you're talking about the subway thing, yeah. like it, it, it's, it comes out of nowhere and it feels <laughs> like, like, why do we even see that? It just felt like, well, we have to have Elizabeth seen now, but we're not really sure that, you know, why this is happening. I mean, obviously it sets up what happens to her next, but when, when, you first see that scene in the movie, it does, you're like why the hell am I even watching this? Like what is he
0: even here for? I don't know. Speaking of what are they here for? Why is Robin Wright in this movie? Well, I mean, I get why her character's there, but why is it Robin Wright? Like what it could be some person I've never heard of.
1: Well, I mean, why are why are a lot of these actors in this? It's like, yeah. I don't I don't get why why is this movie set in Sweden? And why are all these actors trying to give Swedish accents? Why isn't this taking place in, like, Minneapolis or something? Yeah. Like, like, what's the point of doing a remake of this that's so close to the original if you're not even going to just, you know, do the basic things to Americanize it? I don't, you know? Like, is there any reason this story couldn't take place in America somewhere?
0: Yeah, I mean, outside of the sort of really easily fixable geographic stuff, you know, with it being, oh, they're on this island and they're separated out from everyone else,
1: right? Well, yeah, but you could, do, I mean, well, I suppose you could, there's places in Canada you could do that. Or, yeah, you could I change mean, it gotta to wherever. Be, There's got to be something like that, in you know, up there.
0: <laughs> it doesn't, I mean, it is a really odd choice to have... You know, you've you've got some people that are, you know, believably Swedish if they're not, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. then we've got some people that it's like, oh, here's James Bond, yeah, and here's you know, we got to have our American actress playing non-American mm-hmm. uh, or playing like quasi, you know, because they're in Sweden and everyone's speaking English. Right
1: and and now and like uh, like all the computer displays are in English. <laughs> right, and like all the paperwork is whatever. It's it's a ticky tack point, I suppose, but I just don't like. I, what's the point? What's the point of making this movie other than to make money? Not enough to make more, though.
0: Yeah, not enough to make more. It's, you know, because the 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 budget was estimated at ninety million dollars, and it made. The gross at least what I've got here is one o two, yeah,
1: that sounds right for North America, I don't know what it did worldwide, or is that
0: worldwide no that's that's u s gross okay uh let's see, yeah, I don't have the other numbers in front of me, but yeah i I mean that's not I mean that's fine you know you you made you made your money, but that doesn't cover typically that doesn't cover all your advertising no, no. You know, and that's usually what, like half of the estimated budget, something like that. It looks like, I, yeah, oh, I mean, here I've got 232 worldwide.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, that probably just about covered it then. Cause I think now, I mean, Hollywood math is all, is a, an ever moving target. But mm. it seems like the conventional wisdom now is that whatever the movie's reported budget is, it has to make double that to break even. Okay. So, you know when uh, the 300 million dollar pirates of the caribbean 5 comes out that allegedly nobody wants to watch except me <laughs> that that fucker has to make 600 million dollars just to break even worldwide it, which it probably will but that's just like like why are why are they why <laughs> yeah
0: that's a high bar right just yes, to break even mm-hmm. yeah and so you know it made it made your 50 million dollars but you know it's david fincher daniel craig On an established property, this phenomenon of a of a book series and coming out near Christmas, you know they don't put movies out near Christmas that they think are going to just do okay. It's either supposed to be a prestige film or it's supposed to make a shitload of money.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, and this was kind of like fell in between, where it didn't really do either.
1: Well, she got nominated, didn't she? I believe she did.
0: Did she really? Wow. Yes,
1: which is a a kind of a kind of shocking but i wonder if that's the thing where it's like you know the act the the voting block sees that rape scene and they're like well we have to nominate her just for putting her through that
0: uh it was <laughs> she was nominated yeah uh it won for film editing which i think is hilarious because i would not have placed uh things in certain spots where they placed them
1: no, and that's a strange one for it to win because film editing is kind of seen as a predictor of best picture sometimes. And I don't, I can't imagine this was up for best picture. All it was in the era, it, this was after the era of expanding the field to whatever. It, it was, was not nominated not, for best picture. No,
0: though. sound editing, sound mixing, cinematography, and, and Rooney Mara. There you go. And then, uh, score and, uh, best actress for the Globes. Interesting. It did win the AFI award for Movie of the Year though.
1: Oh, it made, it made the top 10 list from AFI. That's interesting. Wow. They always have kind of offbeat choices, but they have two or three where you're like, oh, really?
0: (laughs) I don't know that, I guess it is not aged well is the way that I would think it. It's, it's not a film that, you know, it's six, it's not even six years old and it's a film where I'm like, God, what did they make this choice for? This seems, This doesn't seem right. Or or what is this about? Or we were talking about, you know, is David Fincher, does he have his middle finger up while he's making this movie?
1: Yeah.
0: You know, he only made one since. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I wonder if part of why this hasn't aged well is because we know that there's no more. Even Mm -hmm. if you saw this a couple years after it came out, you'd think, well, they're going to make the next one at some point. But clearly that's not great. I mean... They're planning, they're planning a spinoff or the one, uh, they're planning one based on the book that was written by somebody else after Stieg Larson died, but they're going to do it with a totally different cast and everything. So you can't even consider that a sequel.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like the same, the same character, but it's completely different everything else. Yes. Right? Which seems like it's a, seems like that's not a smart move, but I could be completely wrong.
1: Oh no! It's total. It's it's totally. Well, we own this property. We should try to do something with it. So it's, if it, they <laughs> do it smart, they'll shoot it for like you know under forty million dollars with you know a bunch of character actors. Yeah, we'll it makes that's me. What they
0: do. It makes me think of what they did with the born stuff to me.
1: Oh, it's like we're yeah. just gonna
0: keep it going just so we. Ha- so this is ours. Yeah. Or like the the whole Spider Man stuff. Where we're just gonna keep churning these babies out. Yeah. Because we gotta that, keep that license.
1: That last Bourne movie was a real
0: piece of crap. <laughs> I didn't even I I didn't even see the uh the one with uh not Jason Bourne.
1: Yeah, I didn't see that one either, but I went to the new one on opening day and I could tell about five minutes in, my dad wanted to see it so bad. I'm like, my dad's gonna <laughs> fall asleep. <laughs> in 5 minutes and i looked over and he was already asleep. I'm a nice. like, son of a bitch.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's 15 bucks such I'm a not chore. Back. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay, well, so i think our our thoughts on this are pretty much in lockstep, right? It's yes. kind of a yeah, trashy it film. So. It seems like it's you know, there's all of like the hollywood lipstick on it, but the film it doesn't seem like david fincher's heart's in it, right? No. So let's talk about the three movies in general. Like, what did you think of the way that he treated the serial killer sort of theme?
1: Well, I mean, this movie doesn't even feel like a serial killer movie to me
0: at all. Well, no. And the only reason that it even could con- could be considered that is because of her her uh, library investigations.
1: Yeah, like it's... It feels more like an investigation of this one girl and then we find out later that you know yeah like you say and the i don't like I don't, what how do you even describe this movie like what is it
0: <laughs> it's... well and then that the, the sequence we didn't even talk about is when the whole reveal happens right mhm and we all of a sudden are like in batman 66 with the fucking we got, like, wires everywhere and ropes and shit. And oh, we got, see, like, now
1: I think that's really scary. That you scene.
0: think, really? Yeah. Wow, that is shocking to me.
1: When he's got the bag over his head, that oh. shit is terrifying.
0: <laughs> yeah, now the bag... <laughs> you know what's so funny is I know my little sister is a big, like, <laughs> really scared of stuff like that. Whenever mm-hmm. there's a bag over someone's head. <laughs> well That's I mean it just goes that.
1: on and on and on mm-hmm. oh oh it's awful
0: I saw it and I thought Scooby-Doo <laughs>
1: really you know I thought? <laughs> yeah I thought
0: I saw it because the movie was like so somber and so like salacious at points mm-hmm. and then once it was <laughs> I guess I was so disappointed that I was like oh it guy, really <laughs> <laughs> And then, you know, he's got such a, you know, he's got a super posh, uh like, you know, contemporary or his modern house and all of that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that was really cool looking. And I was like, I bet there's some kind of like slaughter thing in the basement or whatever. <laughs> and then we go down and it's just sort of that slow killer reveal. And he's just so calm about killing people and taking over and all this. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, I kind of wish they, would you know, they hint at the fact that he, the only reason he's doing that is because he's abused. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and him and his sister were both abused and he's sort of carrying on the legacy
1: which that's almost a laugh line. When, yeah. And when he's like, like I've oh. never touched a man except for my father, of course. It was our duty. And I'm like, uh, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's the way that it's done, the way that it's delivered is really.
0: Especially when they gross. say, <laughs> when they say, they say duty and I'm like, oh, okay, I like, am I just super immature or am I I'm like, oh, what? Okay. I get a chuckle because he's like, cause of my duty. And he says it like, you know, when someone's I, talking about poop, he says it weird and I'm like, "Uh." Oh, this I just, just is not it just landing seems so
1: right. it just seems so badly stupidly written, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, but
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you were still scared though because of the bags and stuff. Well, right? yeah.
1: And I and the whole visual, that whole thing I think is scary and it was and we talked last time about how um American horror story freak show had the allusion to Zodiac, in the oh, Lake right. Berryessa yeah. stabbing with the, the actor playing the one doing the stabbing. American Horror Story Asylum has a sequence that's very much like this, uh, mm. involving Zachary Kinto. Mm-hmm. So, they, they love them some David Fincher over there in American Horror Story.
0: Interesting. You know, it, <laughs> at some point it's like, Ryan, just be your own man. Well, <laughs> just do your own shit.
1: Are you watching Feud? No,
0: I haven't it's seen great. it. it I've great! I've seen I've seen your comments about it, and I've been tempted to watch it. We are actually uh cord cutting here in like a day or two. Ah,
1: very nice.
0: And so oh, it's a, that's the it's dream. A, <laughs> it is a great step, and we're going to have HBO now. Yeah. And Netflix and Hulu, so we should be fine.
1: Yeah, the the Feud. It has just the right balance of camp and not camp, and hmm. these great actors show up and give these lines that are just so ludicrous, but I don't, I can't even explain it. I, I, every week I find myself howling at it.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> In do you a think, do you think that it's script problem with this end, or do you think that it's performance then? Oh, you mean, with the you whole mean, him being a murderer and him just sort of being the way that he is at the end there.
1: I feel like
0: because I I I saw it and I was just like who cares? Well, because what is this what is the, what is it about? Well, you yeah, know?
1: he's he's not in the movie enough, first of all.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um you kind of I mean I feel like I'm rambling a lot in this episode. I'm sorry. No, he's not in the movie enough and then you've got the the Enya song on, which, again, that's gotta be another thing where she's like, you know, fuck it, whatever. We'll play, we'll play a silly song. Enya's here. huge
0: in Sweden. Huge. And it you
1: know, it's not, it's not creepy. They, you, you know, it's, there's lots of movies that use kind of incongruous songs. They're, they're using that word a lot this, this time. That, to be creepy, but it doesn't really work. It just yeah. kind of makes it silly, but, the bag over the face is so terrifying to me. <laughs> yeah, my first
0: re- uh, remembrance of when they use in uh, a, a song like that is from, I believe, it's season four of the X Files, mm. and it was the inbreeding. <laughs> yes, episode. with Johnny Mathis. Yeah. <laughs> And they have that song playing and there's all the inbreeding and it's, and it's raining and they're burying the baby and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was like, holy shit, what is this? (laughs) You know, because I had not been introduced to this before. And actually funny story, I remember watching that with my cousin and that reveal of it being the mother under the bed and all strapped to the thing literally made him vomit next to me. Wow. (laughs) And I was like, whoa. And yeah, then I that's... thought, well, he is 10, maybe he shouldn't be watching this.
1: <laughs> no, I think they, I think they actually banned that from being shown on Fox for a few years.
0: Oh really? They're like, we're not that's showing. That's a fucking, that. that's a great episode though.
1: Oh, it's one of the best, but yeah. it was just like too gross for, for, <laughs> it was too gross for America.
0: Oh jeez. <laughs> now it'd be like, eh, whatever, he fucked his mom, who cares? Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Um okay so we were talking about <laughs> we were talking about <laughs> his overall view of serial killers and sort of what he's done with the with a the theme do you feel like he's someone that has anything left to say about the the topic because he does have a a Netflix series coming out that seems like it could be about the same sort of thing
1: Well I think it it depends on It depends on the material. I mean, Gone Gone Girl is another movie about a murderer, Mm
2: -hmm. or
1: you know, who could have been a serial killer after after the events of the film. Who is to say? Um, Yeah, I think there's a great quote where I think he says, "You know, it's a movie about perverts, which is the basis of my entire career, or something like that." (laughs) And so, if there's you know. If there's a, another a new kind of perversion he hasn't discovered yet, I, I mean he could do it. He, I could see him doing another movie about it. I think um, but it would have to be different. like I you know S- seven is a straight up serial killer movie as far as content goes, but it's done in in a way that nobody had ever really done it before. Zodiac is about a serial killer, but is really more about obsession and and maybe even journalism. This mm-hmm. movie. Is about making money.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it feels like this movie is what Hollywood thinks movies about remakes and serial killers are, or should be. Because it has so many things that don't make sense. Like we said, why is it shot where it's shot? Yeah. You know, why do we have these blatant product placements Why do we have a movie called "The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo" when she's not in it that much?
1: Well, why do we have a movie that could have been about how men hate women, Mm -hmm. where that but then have the men be all the most important characters in it? I guess you could say that that's making the point, but well, but it's a shitty point then if you do it that way. I I don't know.
0: When I think about it, I don't. I think about the main question I come away with this is what is the point? (laughs) Yes. You know, and I'm trying not to think about it in just the sort of studio, you know, making money answer. And I just don't know what it is. If it's, Oh, I just liked this story and thought that it would come, you know, people were in the U S wouldn't see it unless it was in English. Yeah. I wonder, okay.
1: I'd have to do – he's had so many projects that were like rumors or that were failed at one point or another. I wonder if there was another project he wanted to do at Sony that they were like, well, you have to do this for us first. Mm,
0: Like the Steven Soderbergh thing, right? Yes,
1: but then whatever that was never happened. It couldn't have been 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea because I think that was – I'm pretty sure that was at Disney. That didn't happen. It, I wonder if Rendezvous with Rama was a Sony. That was like a, a animated hybrid thing that he was supposed to, that he was like working on for years that never happened. Hmm. So I wonder if that was the the one for you, one for me situation there, but it still never happened.
0: Yeah, who knows? You wouldn't think it would have been Gone Girl because well, that's, no, and that and that, that was at
1: Fox. So yeah,
0: and then you know, Mindhunter, is is current thing that they're doing is a uh, it's a Netflix deal. Yeah. So, I don't Hmm. know. (laughs) I mean, it could be. Or it could be he already had his one, and then this is his payback. Yeah. Because with his heart seemingly not in it as much, that would kind of make sense.
1: Well, yeah. Well, I think the only other Sony movie of his is... Panic Room, unless Benjamin Button is a Sony, but that's a big studio, weepy Oscar bait. So I, yeah. I don't know. And Panic well, Room doesn't doesn't feel like a big, like a personal movie to me. Yeah, any
0: it, right. It just seems strange the way that he releases his releases films. Mm-hmm. Right, because we had Fight Club in '99, then a couple years later we have Panic Room. Three years later, you're like, okay, well, you you know, you did some other shit. You found a a story you wanted to tell, Mm -hmm. and that's fine. And then you have, you know, some shorts and some videos going back to kind of his roots, and he comes out with Zodiac. And I'm like, okay, I get that. It's it's a period piece. It's going to take a long time to do whatever. And then we have Benjamin Button the next year, right? Then we have his Mm -hmm. social network two years later, and I'm like, okay, I get that too. Then we have Dragon Tattoo the following year, Right? And then we get another video, two episodes of House of Cards, and then (laughs) Gone Girl in 2014. So there's four years between social network, or between, uh, there's three years between Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and Gone Girl, and then there's Mm -hmm. another three years between when he's doing this Manhunter series that comes out in October, and, or Mindhunter, excuse me, and then it's not even really announced what his next uh, film is going to be. So it just it, seems like he's going kind of a long ways between between projects.
1: It is frustrating. Well, cause, I mean, I would like more movies from him in general. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's not he's not as spread out as Paul Thomas Anderson at least.
0: Yeah, but all of his films feel like they're personal films. Yes, that's like, true. It doesn't feel like he's doing any sort of corporate Hollywood film. No. So, oh, money. of
1: course Social Network was a Sony picture.
0: Oh, well, there you go.
1: That came out the year before this. Yeah. And made, and made just about the same amount of money, but on less than half the budget.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so maybe they said, uh, look, yeah, you can do Social Network, but we need someone to do Dragon Tattoo the next year. Yep. And the script's in place. Don't you need you to look at that? Just need you to go (laughs) up and shoot it. Yep. We just need you to go
1: to Sweden to make a pointless
0: movie. And he's like, "Eh, oh, fuck you. What? Okay, yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, even though he's from Denver, he's got a Minnesota accent, right? Oh, sure. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay, well, anything else about David Fincher in general or any of these three films? Or would you recommend going and seeing either of the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo films?
1: Oh, well, I mean, we've been beating up on it a bit, but, I mean, I've seen the damn thing. I've seen it all the way through at least three times, and if it's on cable, I end up watching it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I mean, it's a David Fincher movie. It's intensely watchable, even when it's not the best thing.
0: Yeah, you even know, with his... The, with,
1: with the exception of Panic Room, maybe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, I own Panic Room, Sean. You know I think
1: that. I do, too, and I don't think I ever watched it. <laughs> I... <laughs>
0: I've seen it the once, uh, I don't own this film, but I would recommend people see it. I would, I would definitely recommend people see the original as well. It Mm -hmm. looks pretty similar, but they do, they do spend their time in a little bit better ways, I think. Yes. in, In the original film. Uh, yeah, so I guess that's gonna pretty much do it for David Fincher for now. If you have any comments for us, suggestions or movies or themes or people that you would like to hear us talk about specifically for this show you could email us at plainlabelpodcast at gmail.com you could follow the show over at twitter twitter our handle is at plainlabelpod you could follow me over there i'm at Williams 79 we also have a facebook page and an instagram account just look for plainlabelpodcast and you'll find us if you wanted to help us out a little bit, you could head over to Amazon.com. You could search for our wish list. We got a whole bunch of shit over there that you could buy and send <laughs> to us. Uh, I would appreciate that. Uh, I like I like reading that every time. Occasionally, people will do that for me. Uh, so I do want to thank Sean for coming on these three weeks and talking about these three films with us. If people wanted to hear more from you or get in touch with you, where could they do that?
1: They should go to at Sean DH on Twitter. And search for my articles uh, at dailyherald.com.
0: Alrighty, so thank you for listening, and Rachel and I will be back next week with our new theme of movies critics hate, but audiences love. Ooh, I like that.